What's up, you beautiful bastards? Welcome to the Rarely Sophisticated Podcast. I'm your host, John Carter, and joining me is one of the most beautiful bastards I know. Say hello to Ryan Bredeweg. Hello to Ryan Bredeweg. <laughs> So we got a really great show for you guys today, uh, kind of a, a continuation of last week's episode. Last week's episode, uh, for those who have already listened to it, is the problem with the college football bowl season. So this week, we're presenting to you the solution to the college bowl season. All right, let's get started with our weekly recap, starting with football from the NFL. The Patriots defeated the Steelers 21 to 18 in Thursday night football and saw some really good performance stuff come from Bailey Zappi, 240 yards, three TDs and an interception. Much better than the Bailey Zappi that we saw late in the season last year. He's still average. He's still average, but I would argue that he is more consistent than Mac Jones. I think it was a one off. We'll see. I think he's slated to start again this next coming up Sunday. They've already uh, they've already predicted. The best thing that can happen for the Patriots is they get a top three pick. It looks like it's headed that direction. Let's hope they need they need a quarterback. I don't think Belichick's the problem. They shouldn't fire him, but he's he's probably going to figure out a way to weasel himself out of his last year of his extension. I don't think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a mutual thing. I'd say there's going to be a conversation from ownership. Not saying I agree with it because he is the greatest head coach of all time. Yeah, and him and Robert Kraft have had a very long relationship, and Robert Kraft has given him a lot of leeway when it comes to what he does with the team. Well, yeah, he's the coach and GM. There's He is one of one. Like He could actually go to the Hall of Fame for both tomorrow if he retired. I absolutely agree with you. As much as I'm not on the Belichick bandwagon, I will agree with you. He is a great coach. And the whole debate of was it Belichick, was it Brady? Hand in hand. Yeah. They fed off each other 100%. In that debate, I've always leaned slightly Brady regardless, just because he's the player on the field. Oh, absolutely. And plus, I mean, as much as Belichick was the head coach, Brady was the shot caller in a lot of those situations. You would, you could essentially argue that Brady was a coach, but he was on the field. Absolutely. Offensive coordinator at the minimum. You couldn't have a Brady without a Belichick. Yeah. You, you couldn't. Like, I think in that dynasty that the Patriots had, more Brady's doing because he had a lot less to work with than what he should have. And and let's rewind the clock here. He got drafted very late in the draft. Belichick took a huge chance on him because of Drew Bledsoe um, starting to peter off and Brady being the backup at the time. I mean, it's it's just a... But Bledsoe was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL at the time. Yeah, and he, but he fizzled out quickly, dude. Yeah, he got hurt. I know. The, that's what I'm saying. The Jets knocked him out and like what? Week three, week four that year. That's so far back, dude. It was what, 2002, 2001? But the a Jets linebacker knocked Bledsoe out of the game. They put a rookie in, and he had talent. Yeah. And then six Super Bowls later, he goes to Tampa and wins another one. Now, he went to a loaded Tampa roster. Yeah, every, every piece was in place for him to succeed. Yeah, and he had Bruce Arians. So I think Bruce Arians was a perfect coach for Tampa Bay. Oh, absolutely. Especially because he allowed Brady to do Brady things. I mean, if you look, if you roll back to what was it? 2020, uh, the fall 2020 season, I think is when Brady went or it may have been 21. I can't remember, but first four or five games, I think they lost and everyone was like, Oh, well, Brady's a, a, you know, system quarterback. Yeah. The Brady system is what I would argue is that it was, and that they were still trying to, to polish that system. And ultimately 
it worked out in their favor. They went to the Super Bowl that year. Well, the the big thing was it was the verbiage. That's that's the big thing with quarterbacks is the it was a similar system to what he's always ran, but what they called stuff, how they communicated with the line, the receivers and all that stuff was a little bit different. So they went into their bye week and they sat down and they asked they asked Brady, "Hey, what do you like? What can we change? We've kind of we we've had a good season." but we're struggling. We're not firing on all cylinders. What can we do to do better? And then they kind of incorporated what Brady wanted during that bye week. Is that another situation like in New England where Brady had the talent on the field, the coach had the coaching talent, and again, another hand-in-hand situation. You can't really have success with one without success in the other. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, it's 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 like the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid right now. Yeah, that that's a dyad in football if I've ever seen one. Both are phenomenal. Obviously, Andy Reid's a hell of a head coach. He's the winningest head coach of two franchises right now. You've been listening to the New Heights podcast. No, it was a stat during the game when he won. It, it was also on the New Heights podcast, but you know. but absolutely, I love the Kelseys. But he is the winningest head coach of the Eagles and the Chiefs, and. He did that without Patrick Mahomes for a while. He won with Alex Smith, which was an average quarterback. Good quarterback, but average. Yeah. And then he won at the Eagle. He won a Super Bowl with... Sanchez? Eagles. Oh, shit. Sanchez was the Jets. My bad. Carson Wentz went down. Oh. He was having an MVP season, went down, and they won with Nick Foles as their backup quarterback after Carson Wentz had that MVP-like season. Then he was never the same after he hurt his knee. No, it's the same It's the same thing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid right now. Clearly, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, regardless if he's played like it this year. Oh, absolutely. They're like I think Dak, I think Jalen Hurts, Lamar, there's a lot of great quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. And and a lot of those names will hit up here in our next topic. But, but yeah. But there's Patrick Mahomes, regardless if he has a down year, a down year for him is a career year for other guys. Oh, absolutely. And again, you can be the best quarterback in the world, but if you don't have a receiving core that can pull their weight. That can catch a ball. Yeah. I mean. He like, has Rasheed Rice that is a rookie this year, and he... That's it. He has Tr- Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. Yes. And Travis Kelsey doesn't look like the same because he's getting double and triple teamed all the time. Right, because he's their only weapon. So what are you going to do? You're going to cover two on him. And at least last year they had like MVS actually made catches. Yeah. And uh, Kadarius Tony made catches when he got there. Like Sky Moore did a little bit. Like their receiving core was not great last year, but it, and it was still the Kelsey show, but there was help. Right. This year, there's just no help. There's no help. They'll get it figured out. So you mentioned names like Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. Those are folks that we're actually going to talk about in our next segment about the regular season MVP race. Now, I've pulled up the top six guys um, based off fan duel odds percentages. Um, So these odds percentages are obviously on Friday. We're not sponsored by FanDuel. If you do sports betting, it's legal in your state. Do wherever the fuck you want to. I don't care. This is just where I got my stats. So Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy are both front runners uh, with plus 300, um, followed by Jalen Hurts and then Patty Mahomes, Tua Tagovailoa. Tua Tago 
Tungvaloa. Tungvaloa, but yep. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson, both tied um, at plus 800. Who do you think is going to win? Dak has really improved this year. Um, And Dak looks great this year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's really improved this year. He's brought that Cowboys team back up to a standard that they haven't been to in a long time. Uh, However, I really like Jalen Hurts as the front runner this year. I, I don't know if he'll get it, but I really like Jalen Hurts. He would have got a. He probably was going to win it last year without his injury. Yeah, but if Brock Purdy stays on the tear he's on right now, if their team stays healthy and he has all his weapons, they're the best team. They're the best built team in the league. Yeah, and and let's be completely honest. We're talking about these odds projections in week fourteen. So you've got what four more weeks of football? Actually, I guess if you include this one, five more weeks of football. So, I mean, these things can change. People can have injuries. People can have breakout stats. I mean, obviously, these are going to change, but Dak Prescott has looked good, and if he won it, I wouldn't be mad, but I really like Jalen Hurts this year, and I would love to see him win the MVP. I like Hurts. He, he's a phenomenal quarterback. I just think with the Eagles record this year, I mean, you've, you've got to hand it to Jalen Hurts. Mm. He's, he's put a lot of... Mm. Their record doesn't mean mean they're the best team. Um, they they have a great record, but records get you in the playoffs. So I mean, yeah, but your regular season record only gets you in the playoffs. If they don't win the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts isn't isn't anything. You have a valid point. So who says Mahomes doesn't figure it out in the next few weeks and have a couple monstrous games the next couple weeks? Again, I don't think Mahomes is really the one that we have to worry about figuring it out. I think it's your guys like MVS, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore. Uh, Rasheed Rice is on the right path, but I'll still put him in there. Travis Kelsey's got to figure out a way to get out of double coverage. Um, he, so, and he's looked older this year. Kelsey has like, he, yeah. And I, I think he's talked a little bit about how banged up he feels. Um, I'd say we got another, maybe couple seasons with him total. I, I'd say we've got three more years of the Travis Kelsey. We have now barring any major injuries. And then after that, we're going to probably start seeing him. Um, with limited targets, uh, I'd say three years is generous. I don't. I don't think we got three full years with him. Not. Not at this rate. Not if he keeps getting banged up the way he is. He missed one game this year, and that's the first game he's missed since his rookie year. Yeah, the guy's tough as nails, but still, getting banged up is getting banged up. It takes its toll on your body. Uh, I. I'd say we have maybe another season or two with him. They just need help. I think if if they won the Super Bowl this year, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if he retired right after it. If they won this year, back to back, that's his third ring. He's still having too much fun with it. He's, I mean, yeah, he's in a relationship with Taylor Swift, but for all intents and purposes, because she's over doing all of her tour shit, he's living that bachelor lifestyle. He's got nothing right now except for football until she's, you know, got more of a normal schedule and everything. And I think he enjoys being around it now am i saying that he doesn't you know figure out some way to maybe retire and then come back as like uh you know assistant to the offensive coordinator and then eventually like go along the coaching track i think travis kelsey would be a fucking phenomenal coach but i think he he, he's probably going to go the tv personality there's so few players that do the coaching track and it's because how dumb the coaching track is in the nfl i mean aq shipley that's on mcafee show was fixing printers at three in the morning. For what reason? He was a player for like 12 years in the league. Won a Super Bowl as a player with Tom Brady in Tampa. 
why is he fixing printers and getting coffee? There's no reason for it. No. There's that's just what interns like, are for. That's what that dude should have been like an assistant to the like the offensive line coach. Like that's a, that's all like he he should actually have a significant role as a coach. How many coaches are were are ex players in the NFL right now? You had Frank Reich that got fired twice now. Yeah. You have D'Amico Ryan's in Texas. He's a former player. Yes. You have Vrabel. You I forgot Vrabel. You have um, Dan Campbell. That's it. That are that are head coaches. Yeah. Out of what? 32? Thirty-two. You have four. Yeah. yeah. Think I think I'm hitting them all. I don't. Uh, there might be another head coach. There might be another head coach or so. That that was a quarterback or something, but yeah. And, and, and backtracking on what I said, the more and more I think about it, the more and more Travis Kelsey is a great personality. He's proven it with everything that he's done as far as commercials and, and his podcast that he does with his brother, Jason and all that other stuff. I could see him being an announcer or a on, you know, on screen personality or something like that. Um, going the, uh, the RG three track and the Brady track and all that other stuff. Don't you love how RG3 just still tries to throw himself out there as a quarterback candidate for all these teams that are hurt? I mean, the guy still wants to play. I, I would argue if, he, if he's willing to put his body on the line. He, he already did that, and that's why he doesn't play anymore. <laughs> like, he was... He, he should have not put his body on the line all those years ago in Washington for a shitty franchise, and he would still probably be possibly be playing right now. Dude, I could talk forever about teams drafting quarterbacks they have no business drafting but that's probably a topic for another day uh let's move on to the rookie of the year standings stroud stroud is just a huge front runner right now with uh minus nine thousand so it's actually under nine thousand what what do you mean he has no competition for rookie of the year i'm not it, do, it doesn't matter if everybody else on the list has phenomenal games from now until the end of the season there's only one on the end of the, on that list that could possibly beat him, and it's and it's Puka. Absolutely, Puka Nakua. But I, I have this huge problem with the NFL and how they always, always, always award the quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that in a lot of those cases the quarterback is not deserving. So just give me a second. What I'm saying is, is in the case for um, Puka Nakua. He he's been probably your wide receiver one for most of you know the Chargers when they're struggling with their receiver core. You've got Cooper Cup that's Rams. been injured, or sorry, with the Rams. You've got Cooper Cup who's been injured. You've got um, Juju. Uh, yeah, Juju. Tutu. Tutu. Jesus fucking Christ! I need more caffeine. You got Tutu Atwell who's been bleh. I mean, you've got Puka Nakua who's been the shining wide receiver that's come in on, on a quarterback that usually zeroes in on one guy. Matt Stafford always zeroes in on one guy. Matt Stafford's been hurt, and Puka Nakua has still showed up and, and been there whenever their backup, I forget what the fuck his name is, um, has, has been there. So, yes, I'm with you in the fact that I think Puka Nakua deserves to have a little bit more credibility when it comes to, to Rookie of the Year. CJ Stroud's done great things, but, I mean, at negative at 9,000 and then everybody else 
behind him's 3,000, 3,000, 3,000 plus seven, uh, 7,500 plus 10,000. I mean, you're putting so much weight on a quarterback winning that even the sports books already know that the quarterback is probably going to get the award because he's the only quarterback that's really in any contention because you've got Bryce Young, who's shit. You've got um, Anthony Richardson, who's hurt. Will Levis has had a few good games, but he's not been one good game. Okay. He's had one good game, but he hasn't really carried that team any at all. I mean, CJ Stroud's really the only quarterback from the 2023 draft draft class <clears throat> from the 2023 draft class. That's actually been worth a damn. So yeah, I, I understand how CJ Stroud's going to be up there at negative 9,000, but yet again, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. If B. John Robinson Yes, I'm still in your hot take. If Bijan Robinson had been utilized better. If big old dumb dipshit Arthur Smith would have stopped trying to play uh Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier that was like well second or third rounder last year. Yeah. That clearly isn't a quarter as talented as Bijan. Like just seeing some of the catches he's made. A behind the back, no look catch, jukes three people and makes it to the end zone. He is one of one. He he is behind the, the back catches. He he he's a top three running back in the NFL right now. Yeah, and he, and he's and he's barely been utilized. Yeah, absolutely. And like who, who the only people I put in front of him, CMC. Yes, I mean you can't argue that. And the guy that got hurt earlier in the year for Nick the Browns, Chubb. Nick Chubb. Yeah, I'd say those are the only two I would want ahead of Bijan. And I don't even know if I'd want Nick Chubb ahead of Bijan just because it's hard to say because Nick Chubb, he's one dimensional. Yeah. He's a bruiser. He runs downhill and will run your ass over because he has tree trunks, his legs. Yep. CMC is CMC is fucking agile as fuck. So well, he Bijan reminds me and I'm not saying he is Bijan's as good as CMC yet, but he reminds me a lot of CMC with how he moves and the, the stuff he can, he is able to do. Right. So, and Puka, phenomenal. He he broke the rookie record for receptions, I think, already in yards. He, he looks like a younger version of Cooper Cup. Like, and if he keeps going right now, uh, he should break Jamar Chase's record for rookie receiving yards. And he deserves every ounce of recognition for doing all of that. And, and that's why I have a problem with these projections. I don't. Who touches the ball every uh, every every play? The center. Who's the important one that touches? I mean, centers are important. Yeah, but who's the most important player on I, the field? If I, you I get don't, your quarterback. If you do not have a quarterback, your team sucks. That's it. Look at all the NFL teams this year that don't have a quarterback. That would be begging for C.J. Stroud. Oh yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. I I really do. I just I hate. I mean, even in the MVP, I mean, you don't have... MVP I, I, is the most valuable player. And there is no doubt on any NFL team, the quarterback is it. I don't care. And TJ Watt's having a phenomenal year. TJ Watt will never win MVP. Tyree Kill's having a phenomenal year. But never win MVP. Yeah. He's the offensive player of the year. MVP is a quarterback stat because that's who carries teams to playoffs, Super Bowls, everything. Last year, Patrick Mahomes did it on one leg. Who do you got as the number one quarterback? And, Patrick Mahomes. Who do you have as the number two quarterback? Jalen Hurts. Who do you have as the number three quarterback? Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes on, on one, one leg. leg. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Like it's it's sad, but the MVP will always be a quarterback. And the, and deservedly so. Like JJ Watt said on McAfee show a couple weeks ago <coughs> that there was a year he almost won MVP and defensive player of the year, but I think he got to beat out by Aaron Rodgers. Which I mean makes sense. Yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But as long as I mean the things a wide receiver any defensive player would have to do in a single year would not even just be record breaking, it'd be untouchable ever again. Not that it matters, but I'm gonna go through this list. And number one, you've got CJ Stroud at minus nine thousand, and then about like 12 football fields behind him. You've got Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs and Puka Nakua all with plus 3000. After that, you've got Zay flowers at plus 7,500. And then you have Jordan Addison at plus 10,000. So CJ Stroud, most likely going to be the rookie of the year. The sports books have already put that in writing essentially. So, I mean, if you bet $1, you would win what, like nine cents. I think is is how that's figured out, and it's also laughable to me. They have Jameer Gibbs at plus three thousand to win. Yeah, I would say C.J. Stroud, Bijan Robinson, and Puka Nakua are really the the three that should even be talked about. And C.J. Stroud, again, being a quarterback, is going to win it. And once again, if Bijan would have had good, if he would have had competent, like if he would have had, even if he would have had Arthur Smith as a coach, but good usage all year where he'd get 20, 25, 20, 28 touches a game. He would be a lot higher on the list just because how he's the most efficient running back in the NFL right now. Oh, absolutely. He's had one down game that he was inefficient on his touches. So he, I don't hate Arthur Smith, but I don't understand his usage of his studs because he has three number first uh, first round picks in Drake London, Bijan, and Kyle Pitts, and then he throws to freaking Johnu Smith. Don't understand that. There's a lot of things that I don't understand when it comes to that man. But anyways, moving on to basketball, Pacers. Yeah, I'm actually really really impressed with the way that they've been playing um Halliburton's been playing very well um so in the in-season tournament you have uh your finalist as the LA Lakers and as the um Indiana Pacers and as of right now the spread is only four I'm just saying who called the Pacers to win that was me did you uh, I didn't. I'd figured the Lakers would win, and I wanted the Suns to win. But I knew, <coughs> I knew the. I, I had a feeling about how how good Halliburton's played this year. Yeah, he's he's been doing really good. Did you see where the the Pelicans come out and basically said, uh, "Hey Zion, get your shit together today." Um, they need to. They did. I don't. I think they said it out loud. Finally, they said, "Hey, we've tried to help you get your diet issues under control, but you need to take care of yourself, badass, and you know, not be a two hundred eighty-five pound slob." Yeah. Which 
he's one of one. If he would take care of himself and figure out how not to eat everything in sight, he would dominate anybody. Yeah, in I mean, he's right a generational now. talent. I mean, he's not he's not going to be your LeBron or your Kobe or your or your Jordan, but he's definitely going to be up there. Um, I would say when he's healthy, he averages like twenty five to twenty to thirty points a game, like ten to twelve rebounds, gets assists. Nobody can stop a man that big and that athletic, right? I, I, I mean, I'm just saying. I, I, he I just feel needs- like he's going to be like your Shaq. He's going to be like your um- dude. Charles Barkley even said, "Stop eating fat ass and get your shit together." That's just horrible, terrible, terrible, terrible. Barkley at least has a leg to stand on. He finally got his stuff together, and he yeah, was the, he was the problem, and he knew it. He he's admitted over time, like. He was called out by a veteran in the NBA when he was playing and he got his stuff together and he was a phenomenal player after that. And he helped Michael Jordan save the uh, save the world from aliens. That's his greatest accomplishment. Absolutely. Yet. Let's move on to baseball just real quick. We've got a huge seven player trade involving the Yankees and the Padres. Juan Soto and Trent Grisham headed from the Padres to the Yankees in exchange for right-handed pitcher Michael King. Right-handed pitcher Johnny Brito, right-handed pitcher Randy Vasquez. Man, I guess the uh, Padres really needed some right-handed pitchers. You've got starting pitcher Drew Thorpe and Kyle Higashioka as the catcher. I'm honestly surprised that I said that on the very first go. Damn, I'm good. Lucky. Yeah, really lucky. Yankees still suck, right? Yankees still suck. Um, You've got a loaded team. You've got Aaron Judge. Now you have Juan Soto. You have the pitching staff of all pitching staffs. You've got... Um, Did they get Shohei? No, but there's a lot of talks about that, and, and that's on the next slide. Um, you've got... Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, not not Miguel. Pre- oh, dip, 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 dip. That's all, folks. See? Why yeah. are you dropping names that you don't know? Yeah, I know. Why am I dropping names that I don't know? Um, anyways, Yankees have a stacked team. Um, it's even more stacked now with Juan Soto out there. So uh, I would say Yankees are probably going to make a push. They were terrible last year. Um, so, yeah, they're they're definitely trying to, to bring in some of those big names. Um, speaking of which, Shohei Otani since you've already brought it up. There's still no word where he's headed. Everything's been really secretive, but there's lots of speculation, number one being the Yankees and the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, Cubs, Red Sox, Mets, and Angels, and finding some way to retain him. So I'd say I'd say he's either going to end up with the Dodgers, yeah. Yankees, or Sox. If he's smart, he'd go to the Dodgers or Yankees. I see the Blue Jays are in a really good position right now with Vladdy Jr. and Bo Bichette, um, both really picking up their uh, their game last year. The Blue Jays need a good pitching staff, and they could definitely throw him the designated hitter slot. So I could easily see him going to the Blue Jays, but I agree with you. I think Yankees, Dodgers, and the Red Sox are probably his top contenders. Um, the Dodgers would be a huge fuck you to the Angels, which I actually kind of like. Um, 
So, yeah. Uh, well, the Angels just never put anything around the man to be competent. Mike Trout? <gasps> you had one player. That's all you get. <laughs> go win a go win a pennant. That's not how that works. You need a team. You do need a team. You need to play like a team. You can have all the best players in the world, but if you don't have that that team cohesion, you ain't doing shit. Uh, speaking of teams that have team cohesion, the D-backs have signed Eduardo Rodriguez to an $80 million four-year deal. Um, Rodriguez opted out of the final three years of his contract with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he killed a trade deal earlier in the season with the LA Dodgers, utilizing his, uh, his no-trade um, clause or trade revoking clause. I don't know how it is that it worked, but basically if uh, the Tigers were trying to trade him, he basically got to nix it. Um, and then now this adds another starter to Arizona's lineup, who I would argue is poising themselves to become the, um, the next world series champion. I mean, they already went to a world series this last year, but Corbin Carroll's looking ph- phenomenal. You've got Jake Lawler, who's um, probably getting ready to come up here soon. You've got just a bunch of stars in their farm system and that they could call up at any time and have a good, young, healthy team that, you know, has played with each other in the minor leagues. So they're already going to have like some of that team cohesion. So, yeah, I would I would argue that the D-backs are going to be a heavy contender in the National League um, next year, especially now with the uh, the addition of Erod. So we'll see. Now. The topic of all topics. The reason that a lot of you are probably listening to this podcast, except for my friends who I bribe into doing it with uh, snacks. But we're going to talk about some NCAA football. And before we get to the meat of all the topics, let's start off with the Heisman Trophy Trophy presentation. Uh, It's going to be tomorrow, December 9th. So by the time you're listening to this, it's already happened. Um, But you've got Jaden Daniels, the quarterback for LSU at negative 1400 followed by Michael Penix Jr., quarterback for Washington, at plus 900. Bo Nix, quarterback for Oregon, at plus 2200. And my personal favorite, Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver for The Ohio State University, at plus 20,000. I know he's not going to win it, but God damn it, he looks good. Hey, hey, look at your list. Same thing with MVP. I know, I know. Once again, most valuable person in any program, the quarterback. Jaden Daniels, absolutely going to win it. Played the best this year, looks the best. Going to be a sneaky draft pick, and it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. I don't know, man. Michael Penix Jr. took Washington to the playoffs. He took him to the college football playoffs. I mean, if the selection slash invitation committee is going to say the things that they're saying about making great playoff football and, and all this other jazz that they're using as excuses. Regular then, season award. Still, you get to the playoffs by what you do during the regular season. They did, made that abundantly clear. Kirk Herbstreit named on college game day three weeks ago that he's voting for Jaden Daniels. He's looked the best. Period. Oh, his team didn't go to the playoffs. He's still at LSU. Where did they end up at their end of season ranking? I don't even think they were in the top 25. But look at how good he had to play to even be considered. And his team be a bot, not even top 25 team. 
Yeah, because I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., Bo Nix, and uh, Michael Penix Jr., obviously all their teams were in the top 25. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I'm not disagreeing with you because obviously more informed people have already made their, their minds up. I'm just saying that, you know, when you've got a playoff contention quarterback in the, the top four finalists, I think that that should hold more weight. It means his team was better. That's it. Not how good he played. He did not outperform Jaden Daniels this year. The team outperformed LSU, but he didn't outperform Jaden Daniels this year. Okay. So I, I'm going to say Jaden Daniels wins. It's going to be by a landslide. It's not even going to be a problem. I would like to see Marvin Harrison Jr. win, but once again, it's a quarterback award for the most part. And he's an interesting conversation. Is he going to go to the NFL or go back to Ohio State next year? If he's smart, he goes back to Ohio State. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. Yeah, because the Colts aren't getting the number one draft pick this year. He he wouldn't be a number one overall pick anyway. No, I know, but still. Top three are going to be quarterbacks anyway, but if he's smart, he'd go to the NFL. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you have the op- op- opportunity to get hurt next season. Now your career is shot. You might as well go in, get the guaranteed money, and at least and have... You're, and you're one year closer to that second major contract that could be 30, 40, 50 million. Yeah, absolutely. I see what you're saying. I was making a joke, obviously, when I was saying he should go back to the Ohio State. I want him to go to the Colts, and I'm like, Maybe the Colts will suck next year and they'll get like a, you know, high important draft pick because I don't see the Colts having enough stock to be able to the trade Col- up. The Colts should have sucked this year, but somehow our head coach has willed our team to win. Like hey, Gardner Minshew is not a starting NFL quarterback. He's no, but he's the really Nickelodeon good. favorite. He's looked really good this year because Shane Steichen's a genius. Shane Steichen is an absolute genius. And if the Colts do anything remotely close to trying to get rid of him, I will switch and become a Kansas City fan. I can't believe I just said that. You can root for Kansas City anyway. Yeah, They they do have Patrick Mahomes. And they are the second regional team in the area, so. What, you don't like the Titans? Mm, No. I like Vrabel. That's about it. The rest of their team sucks. I like the Titans back when it was Eddie George, Steve McNair, Frank Wycheck, and, um, oh, the freak. Javon Curse. Back when they went to I like the Super Chris Bowl. Johnson. You remember when they had him, the running back, Chris Johnson? Dude was electric. So much fun to play at Madden. Phenomenal running back. Poor Derrick Henry. He's not looked great this he's, year. No, he's not looked good in the last couple of years. Um, I, w- I would argue that a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Colts have really been, or the Colts, goddammit, the Titans have really been struggling with their quarterback, thus they're having to rely on their backfield more, and it just puts him in more of a dangerous area. Well, and they have D-Hop this year. That's it. That's their only notable wide receiver because they don't have Traylon Burks. They were dumb enough to trade away A.J. Brown last year. Yeah, and he's doing fucking great things. Yeah. it's not. I mean, they should have never got rid of him. Yeah. Could you imagine they'd still have a quarterback issue, but could you imagine having D hop and AJ Brown on the same team? Jesus Christ. That's a lot. Jason that's, Bourne. That's a lot of, that's a lot of wide receiver to deal with on each side of the field. Yeah. 
And if you, I mean, the Dolphins have proved it this year. If you have two viable wide receivers, the defense doesn't know who to cover because whoever they double mm. have put under double coverage, other guy's going to be wide ass open. That's completely different, though. When you have to, a, a track team on the field at, at Miami with a genius head, offensive head coach that uses their speed and motions, how can you cover the fastest guy in the NFL and probably the second or third fastest guy in the NFL? And they've done a hell of a job of protecting Tua this year. So, I mean, that's... that's oh, their, their offensive line is way outperformed what they should be. Yeah. So, their defense is starting to play real good. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team this year, though. I don't. I, I, I see them definitely making it probably to the semifinals. But... because. Because who are they going to compete with? Well, I mean, obviously, seeding is going to have a huge factor. They're not going to get the number one seed. Um, that's obviously probably going to go to the Eagles. So Wrong division there, AFC. They used to be NFC, though, didn't they? No, they've always been AFC. They're AFC East with the Patriots. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Miami, Patriots, Miami's Jets. American League, or not American League, Jesus Christ. The AFC and um, Tampa Bay's the NFC. They usually don't put two teams in the same um, conference in the same state. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. I know I'm right. Sometimes. Patriots, Jets, and uh, I forget the fourth team that's in their league. In their division? Yeah, in their division. You've got Patriots, Jets, Dolphins, Dolphins, and... and, It's not the Falcons. Bills. Yes, you're right. It is the Bills. The NFL really has a weird structure when it comes to how they have their division set up. But At least their playoffs aren't determined by a committee. Whoa, shots fired. <laughs> Speaking of committee selections, we've got um, a little bit of some hot topics here to talk about. First being that... Uh, the college football playoff selection committee has made their decision. And it looks like we're going to see a number one seeded Michigan playing a number four seeded Alabama in the Rose bowl. And then we're going to see a number two seed at Washington playing a number three seed at Texas in the sugar bowl. I can't wait for that Michigan Alabama game. That's, that's going to be a great game. And I would argue with Washington and Texas, yes, you're going to see a great playoff game, but I say that your, winners is, your winner is going to come out of that Michigan-Alabama. Who, yeah, whoever wins the Michigan-Alabama game, I think, takes it all. But once again, four best teams definitely made it in. Eh, not really, but I'd say Georgia's still better than Texas or Washington, but... I say that the only reason that Texas got ranked at number three over Alabama is because Texas beat Alabama. If not, it would have been reversed or Texas might not have even made it. If, if, well, yeah. Well, and if Alabama lost that game to Georgia, Florida state might be in. I, I highly, I highly doubt it because they still lost their quarterback. Which it sucks for them, the kids, the school, everybody, but there's no use crying about it now because they're not the best team anymore without their starting quarterback. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about the Orange Bowl with your Florida State Seminoles versus your Georgia Bulldogs. You want to know what's going to be really funny? This is when Georgia dog walks Florida State and makes them look completely embarrassed. That's not going to happen. There are rumors circulating that Florida State is going to bowl or excuse me, 
boycott, we'll call it Bowlcott, the Orange Bowl. And uh, we'll get into that here in just a second. So in what we are calling, or at least I'm calling Committee Gate, because it's causing such a stir. Um, because of this fiasco, the College Football Playoff, Playoff Committee has shut down their contact page. Um, and as a result, sportsillustrated.com has pseudo-doxed them, um, providing all of their personal contact information for everybody that holds a position on the College Football Playoff Committee. And I'm sure that their inboxes are just blowing the fuck up right now with pissed off Knowles fans. Um, Way to be petty. Yeah. Yeah. On both sides. Let's be fair on both sides. If the college football playoff committee was tired of getting all the emails, all they had to do was just turn their notifications off and just let the motherfucker fill up. They didn't need to shut it down, take their fucking toys and go home. They could have just left it up and just ignored the problem, but instead they shut it down. Now you've got sports illustrated. Who's taking it upon themselves to share everybody's personal information. And then you have a bunch of pissed off Knowles fans who are, you know, essentially going to, make sure that their two cents are heard. No, they're not. Their two cents will never be heard, no matter how much they complain. My team deserves to be in. Deserves. That's the, that's the word right there. Do they deserve to be in? Yeah, they're the only undefeated team left in college football. I, I, would, I would argue that... Deserves. I, I would argue that replace deserves with earned. But they're not the best. But they're not the best. I'm not disagreeing with you with that. Looking at their strength of schedule, I believe they were ranked uh, 54th out of all of the Division One teams. They were ranked 54th for strength of schedule. But I would argue that replace the word deserves with earned. And then do I think that they deserve to be in the college football playoffs? No. Mm, no, not really. Do, do I think that had they still had their quarterback, they deserve to be in the playoffs? Absolutely. And if they still had their quarterback, they would be. Yeah. But they in, earned it. They in, earned it. But in did they the bylaws. It? In the bylaws. It gives the committee a lot of leeway in who that they select. All, that all these conference commissioners agreed to these bylaws. It wasn't the committee put these rules together. The conference commissioners agreed to these bylaws and said, and they laid out these bylaws and these rules. If they don't want this to ever happen to anybody ever again, take the one out that says if you have any significant injury to basically a star player on your team that you don't get in. Take it out if you don't like it anymore. But the commissioners of all these schools and all these conferences agreed to these bylaws. They made up the rules. And that's what the committee has to go off of. If they don't like the rules, change them. I don't think I, I, that rule should never be in there. No, I agree because that rules the, the human only opinion as the number one contributing factor to anything, because you can always fall back on that one little line or however fucking long it is. You can always fall back on that and say, Oh, well this line gave us basically all the power we needed because it exists. But once again, why are they in? Why are they so mad about the, at the college football playoff committee when the, the commissioners of all these schools and all these conferences wrote the rules. Yeah. It's a, it's they, a double-edged they, sword. It's like, 
Yeah, we voted on it, but we thought that it would always be in our favor. And now that it's not in our favor, we don't fucking like that rule. Well, my question is, why why do all the the Knowles fans think they're going to accomplish with complaining? Absolutely nothing. It's all said and done with it. Set in stone. The college football playoff committee is not changing their mind at all. No, and they shouldn't. No, but Mm -hmm. it hasn't stopped people like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis from requesting a million dollars to sue the college football playoff committee. And it hasn't stopped Senator Rick Scott from Florida, um, who is the former governor, uh, from sending a letter to Boo Car- or Coring- to Corrigan, Boo Corrigan, uh, demanding full transparency and all correspondence from all members of the committee. I think that's a little like excessive. No, that, I mean you're saying people in Florida are being super petty about something that. It's a college football game at the end of the day. Headline, Florida man sues college football playoff committee for something that is never going to get overturned. Absolutely not. Like it, I get it sucks for the players. It sucks for the alumni. It sucks for the coaches, sucks for the parents of the players. Did they deserve it? Yeah. Doesn't matter. This is a life lesson here. Just because you earn something doesn't mean you always get it. And even with the 12-team playoff that's, that's projected for next year, if you were to use the teams that are available today, the NCAA has actually already posted this to kind of help uh, fans with a little bit of understanding as to how the 12-team playoff will work next year. Um, essentially, without going into a lot of detail, um, you still have your your top four who are seated the way that they are, but then number five being Florida state, number six being Georgia, um, seven, Ohio state, eight, Oregon, nine, Missouri, um, 10 Penn state, 11, Ole Miss, 12, the 12 seated team was actually Oklahoma, but because Liberty won their conference championship and because of their, their overall season record, they bump Oklahoma State out of that playoff contention and take their spot if the 12 man te- or the excuse me the 12 team playoff were to happen in 2023. So again, here's this whole rule of the 12 team playoff should be the 12 best teams. Well, if that were the case, you would have ranked Liberty 12th and not Oklahoma. Yeah, you won your conference championship, which is the reason Alabama's in this year. They won their conference. And you're never going to leave out an SEC school no, you're not. out of the playoffs regardless. If it was them or Georgia, one of them was making it in, whoever won that game. Oh, yeah. Didn't matter. It was, it honestly was never probably going to be Florida State. Because honestly, if not, even not it, unless Texas lost, if Texas lost, I would say Florida State had a good chance of getting it. If Texas lost, I would still say I'd put Alabama and Georgia over them both. Three and four. If Georgia win, if Georgia won, best teams, yeah, best it's, teams. It's, you again, can't. You you're can't argue about opinions because so nobody's ever going to. Well, have the because right here's answer. the thing: because Georgia is the back-to-back national championships. They won 29 straight games or something in the last two years, and they're not in the college football playoffs this year. Yeah, they have no chance of defending their title because they lost one game. Right. Best team. I'm just saying, like you're not wrong. It's I just know I'm again, not. it's <laughs> fuck you. Um, it's it's just again, it's one of those opinion based things that 
everybody's going to have a different opinion as to who should be in. I'm not saying that there's difference of opinions as to who should be top seeded because I think they got it right with number one, Michigan, number two, Washington. It's the number three and four that everyone's kind of like, I don't like that. And again, all opinion based. Um, they need to listen to Kirk Herbstreet talk about it though. He's talked about it multiple times on McAfee and everything. Like he lays out all their ground rules and all their bylaws. Like, and why is he taking it on the shins? Cause he, everybody from Florida state's going after Herbstreet. He doesn't even have a vote. He's not on the committee. Should he be? Absolutely. He's been the face of college football on college game day for almost 30 years. He should absolutely have a vote on the committee, but he doesn't. He's just telling you what the facts are. And the facts are that the, the committee has rules based on all these conference leaders. And these are the rules laid out. And the reason the Florida state didn't get in is because their quarterback got hurt and their backup quarterback got hurt and they were on the third string. Yeah. So another another TCU incident was definitely going to happen. I mean, I hate to say that again. Do I think that they earned to be in there? Absolutely. Do I think that we were going to see a good game and that the team as it stood on selection Sunday deserved to be in there? No. And, And again, that's where I think we have to separate earned versus deserve. And I think that's a lot of the problems that we're having right now is that people are getting the two intertwined and not being able to see earned versus deserved as two separate entities. And if Florida state would stop crying and look at their bowl game versus Georgia as the super bowl or the college football playoffs, like if they'd look at that as a national championship game, go in there and show everybody that you deserved it. Yeah. Go in there and dog walk Georgia and show them you deserved it. I, I would argue if they went in and beat Georgia, I'm not saying that they should do a, a what was it? What was it? F, um, F-A, no, it wasn't FAU. Um, who was it that before um, said, well, we beat the national champions and, and so we pseudo have a national title. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was another team from Florida. So again, headline, Florida man assumes that they're a winner even when they're not. Uh, but I would say if Florida beats Georgia, then they have every right to say, fuck you. We deserve to be in there. But if Florida state loses to Georgia, everybody's going to look at them and say, this is why. Oh, if they get their shit rocked by Georgia, which I fully expect, I'd say Georgia can sit half their team and still dog walk Florida state. Oh yeah. You're going to see more freshmen playing that game than, than you ever have in any bowl game ever. But one, like I said, the best thing for that, the best outcome of that game to shut up all the Florida State people is Georgia just goes in and knocks the shit out of them. And everybody says, shut up. Because if Georgia beats them, they had no, if they, if they beat them 48 to zero, they have no point in being in the call. It's a TCU incident. They don't want another TCU in the playoffs that, that looked great and then sucked. Yep. Th- then the game wasn't even good. Yeah. And you could argue, which is our next slide, that even if you moved it from a 12-team playoff next year to a 16-team playoff next year, that you're still going to have Florida State. Like, yeah, like in this instance, they would play Liberty. I know I put Oklahoma on the slide, but it's actually Liberty. Yeah, they would play Liberty. Um, oh, they'd, in, in they'd the win game, one game. And they'd win the first game, but then you've got Alabama versus LSU and, and the game, you know, 
for then, that then, then they get their throat stepped on and yeah, they then die. they get their throat stepped on so i will try to put this slide out on the youtube episode so if you're confused as fuck listening to the audio take um go check us out on youtube and you can kind of follow along with what we're saying because i do try to put these slides up um but even even a standard 60 i would say a 16 team playoff is going to be better than a 12 man playoff because rolling back in a 12 team playoff you still have the top four teams getting a fucking bye week and i would say in college football you don't need bye weeks you play 13 regular season games and then you play what in a 12 team playoff at most you're going to play two three additional games maybe that's still 16 weeks of football the nfl plays like 21 weeks from start to finish yeah but they still have bye weeks i just i don't think i don't think when it comes to a playoff i don't think you need bye weeks for uh for college football it's just it's not as much football and these players are physically adults mentally hell no because I used to be a kid that age when I was in the fucking army and I shot at people. Um, you've got kids, adults, whatever you want to call them, who are physically adults. Like physicality, they can handle the demands because they still get bye weeks during the regular season. They can handle the demands of playing out the final. If you want to give them a bye week, I would argue they already have their fucking bye week with all of this time that's taking place between week 13 and January 1st, which is when the first fucking bowl game is going to be. You don't need fucking bye weeks in college football. You have it. It's called fucking December. Look at how long it took them to go to a 12-team playoff. And they need to go to a 16-team playoff, and I'll tell you why. Give it 10 years. Maybe 20. They need to go to a 16-team, and here's why. Right now, we have 133 Division I football programs, 11 Division I conferences, and I would argue that now you no longer have a Power 5, you have a Power 3. You've got your SEC, your Big 10, and your Big 12. Why? The College Football Playoff Committee has already set the precedent that the ACC is irrelevant. When you, when you elected to not put Florida State in the college football playoffs, you said ACC is no longer a viable conference. Any comments on that? They're not a power five. They're not. No, not. I mean, they've been classified as a power five, but they're not. That's what I'm saying. Now you've got a power three. You've got the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big uh, Big 12. Yep. And the Pac-12 is now the Pac-2. Yeah, because so, everything else got bigger. Yeah. You've got 13 weeks of football, which is 12 weeks of regular season, and then some teams will play one extra game, and that's the nat- or the conference championship, which counts towards their ranking towards the end-of-the-season playoffs. Um, and uh, basically, it's just a fucking joke, if you ask me. Well, why do we have hundreds of NCAA teams and only four people get to play in the playoffs? Again. It's, it's been a joke for a long time. Again. 16 team playoffs, my friend. And this is what that's, that's I, still not the answer, but it is at least for now, because I've already drafted up the proposal for the 16 team playoff as only rarely sophisticated could do it. Well, as long as they do like what the NFL does and it's all an equation to how you get in and get out and there's no human decisions, it'd be fine. Yeah. And, and here's what I have. So just listen to the proposal 
And then I'll shit on it. And then you're going to shit on it because we both know it's never going to fucking happen. But one can dream. So in my system that I've come up with, the rarely sophisticated NCAA structure, you have 144 Division I programs. Okay. There are teams who are playing, uh, what is it, 1AA? It's, it's, you know, quasi Division I. It's actually Division II football, but you've got, you know, enough teams. Um, you would need 11 more teams to, to bump up to Division I. And I would argue that you probably have that with all the Division II teams that are out there. So you would take it to 144 Division I football programs. You would then have 16 Division I regional, and I'm going to air quote this because I don't have a better word for it, conferences. And it's not going to be like the SEC where you have a board of directors. It would still be the NCAA making all the decisions because you don't have an AFC commissioner. You don't have an NFC commissioner in the National Football League. You have Roger fucking Goodell making all the fucking decisions. And I would argue that that's what the NCAA needs is they need a committee that makes decisions for all of NCAA, not the SEC, not the Big 12, not the Big 10, um, not all of that shit. Just one centralized conference making the decisions that are fair and equal to all 16 of these regional conferences. All of those 16 regional conferences would have nine teams. So nine teams, 16 regional conferences. It's going to be like the fucking Hunger Games. 144 total programs in this new NCAA structure that I'm proposing. You have 12 weeks of regular season football. Eight of those are going to be conference games. And you know how that conference is going to work with nine teams? Everybody's going to play everybody in the conference. So you're no longer going to have what we had this year where Georgia and Alabama didn't play each other until the fucking um, SEC championship. If Georgia and Alabama are in the same divisional conference, regional conference, whatever the fuck you want to call it, they play each other every fucking year. And you get to see them play. And if they're a powerhouse team and the other team's a powerhouse team, you get a great fucking game. It makes the game more enjoyable again. Um, and then you can elect for four interconference games. So if you want to bring in fucking Humbug University to come in and fucking just shit on them at your homecoming, you still have that as an option. But you're at least going to play everybody that's in your conference. You're going to have a conference record where you could have one team that's undefeated and only one team that's undefeated because obviously everybody playing everybody, it's impossible to have two undefeated teams in the same fucking conference. And then for your conference championship, you take your two top teams and they are determined by their total wins and losses, their conference wins and losses. And if they are tied up at that, then you look at how they did head-to-head in the conference because they're guaranteed to play each other. Those two teams go to your conference championship. Then, after they get to the conference championship, whoever wins that goes on to the playoffs. Now, here's my pros and cons, and then after this, you know, I'll, I'll see how you feel about it. But I feel like it evens the playing field across all of NCAA because every conference now has the same value as each other. All 16 conferences have the same value. They each have a guaranteed spot in the playoffs. So now you're going to start seeing more people instead of saying, "Oh, I'm going to go to Alabama because the SEC is a fucking, you know, power 3 conference and, you know, I'm going to get the most coverage, I'm going to get the most exposure and the best chance to win a national championship at Alabama." And then you have another guy saying, "Well, I feel the same way about Georgia or Michigan or Ohio State or whatever." Now you're going to have, you know, this guy who's like, you know what? 
I'm rated one of the best fucking wide receivers in high school football. I'm going to commit to, I, w- I would say, UCLA, right? Because UCLA hasn't been relevant here in the last couple of years. So now they go to UCLA. Well, now UCLA is building up their ball program because people want an equal share and equal opportunity to make it to the playoffs, to get the media coverage. And now you don't have all these media deals with ESPN because the NCAA has the media deal with, with ESPN. Um, and you know, I just, I think it's going to make for better competition, which makes for better, better rivalries, which is going to make for better football. And then that in return is going to bring all the media coverage that in return is going to bring in more revenue for the schools. And yes, it's going to take time for that to happen. And it's probably too little too late to even salvage that. But I would argue that it makes it for a more even playing field. And you're shaking your head, so I'll turn the floor over to you. All that was stupid. And the reason is, money moves everything. So you go to the SEC, you go to the Big Ten, you go to the Big 12. They have their own TV deals. And if you go, if you're saying your problem, my problem with your whole proposal is you're saying the NCAA. Their offices are in Indianapolis and they're run by morons. So you're putting your faith in an organization that's there to, I'm going to say, air quote, protect the students, but makes dumbass decisions and bans people from playing college football, basketball, whatever, for whatever reasons. But they already do that. They're idiots. They make wrong decisions all the time. So you want to give them more power to screw over all these schools? I'm not saying that they're having more power. I'm saying they're having the same amount of power because the NCAA already trumps all the conferences. I'm waiting for the time that all these pe- all these schools pull away from the NCAA because the NCAA is a joke. They don't run shit. They're like the angry kid in the corner that thinks they have a say in something. They're like our kids. They throw a fit in the corner. They might get their way for a few seconds, but in the end, they don't really have any power. I I still think that you've got that in your current NCAA structure. I mean, I see where you're going. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying that I think that that's already the way that it is and that the conferences are just puppets for the NCAA to uh, manipulate Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, and the NCAA organization itself is run by a bunch of morons. So let's not... So like I see what you're saying, but here's the thing. When... When you have coaches like Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and all these college football team coaches that play that coach for Alabama, Georgia, Texas, LSU, all these big schools, right? The power, the power conferences, power three. You want to call them the power three? A kid's still going to go there over UCLA because the name brand. And what the NIL money can do for them, what the schools can do for them, what their reputation is as football programs. They, Alabama is Alabama, Georgia, Texas, all these big schools. They are an NFL dream. 
that's where kids go that want to play in the NFL. Because that's where good that's programs. that's I'm where I'm not go- disagreeing with you on that. All I'm saying is that you're going to start saying, well, do I want to go to, and I've got conference names picked out for all these and Southeastern just (laughs) happens to be one of them, but do I go to the Southeastern regional conference and play against teams like Georgia and Alabama and LSU and Auburn and those teams, or do I go to the Pacific Northwest conference where I have an opportunity to shine to be a starter, to be a high value player for that team and actually get some media coverage or do I because you're playing lesser competition, but I would argue that it spreads the competition evenly across the entire playing field. You don't start you. It's going to come down to recruiting at that point. How do you recruit those players? And you just found your own flaw with the system. No, because What, what schools recruit better than anybody else? The Southern schools. And why? Because they have fucking money. Dirty, why rich, else? old money. Because their teams are NFL breeding grounds. People go to Alabama, Georgia, Texas, all these schools. Yeah, the, the NIL money's there. It was probably always there. It was just called booster money. But let's... Let's be honest. You go to those schools because the reputation of their football programs. When you go to those schools and they see you played for an Alabama, they see you played for an LSU, look at the, the, the NFL right now. How many guys, when they announce the starting lineups for offensive defense, you hear Alabama, Georgia, Texas, LSU. You hear all these big schools for a reason. It's because their football programs are phenomenal. It comes down to recruiting and the kids are, regardless if you did this, did it your way, they're still going to go to the one place, those few, those schools that everybody's always gone to because that's where the best competition is. Like, I don't think it's going to disperse talent like you think it would. I think it's going to make everybody a lesser product. You have these big three conferences they're the best. Leave them alone. The NCAA would screw it up. They try all the time. They're already screwing it up with the transfer report. Why? You don't like free agency in college football? Who cares? I, I feel like the transfer portal offers good opportunities for star players, but it also says, <laughs> hey, loyalty, dedication, being a part of this program, means absolutely nothing. Why should the kids have to be loyal when the coaches don't have to be? Because coaches take new jobs and go to bigger schools, better schools, better programs all the time. Why do the kids got to stay loyal? Why do they, oh, I'm going to promise you this, promise you this, promise you this, come play for me at this school, whatever it is. And then a year later, they're gone. So why do the kids got to stay? Because if coaches can transfer and take new jobs, why can't kids? I get that, but a lot of these kids go over there and then somebody else comes in on the transfer portal and those kids no longer have an opportunity to go to school for football, which I understand that a lot of kids go to school just for football. In rare situations like uh, Andrew Luck, who was an engineer and loved to fucking study and actually loved school. You've got on the flip side, your other kids who are going there 
and they just want to play football so that they can get, you know, better training and stuff like that. I get that. I think that the kids who are going to school for the right reasons and using football as a um, vehicle to do that, I think those kids are being screwed because of the transfer portal. I wouldn't go to a school if I thought I had a chance to, you know, get ousted by another player from halfway across the country who's already dedicated to another school and risk, you know, a four year program if I'm actually trying to get a degree or I'm trying to get, you know, better myself in many different avenues, whether it's NIL or or what have you. I think that there needs to be a little bit more regulation to the transfer portal. And I hate using that word because I'm very much against big government, big corporations and big committees regulating what we do. But I still think that there needs to be a little bit more regulation when it comes to the transfer portal, because as it stands right now, it's, it's completely fair. You've got players in the NFL who have contracts, but they have to wait until they go into free agency or they get traded or bought out before they can even put their names up on the dotted line for the free agency. So, so why can't we figure out some way of doing that with a transfer portal? You just said the transfer portal is completely fair. Whatever. I'm just saying. It is. You're right. That one statement out of everything you just said, the transfer portal is completely fair. It's free agency for college football. I would say we need some kind of stipulation on Absolutely it, not. Why? Because kids get to leave whenever the hell they want. Now, I think there should it's be... Not, number one, it's not teaching responsibility. Oh, you commit to a school and then right after you commit, your coach leaves? Fuck that school. You come there for the coach. You don't come there for the school. You come there to play for certain people. If the coach doesn't commit to that school, why should you have to? Like, that's my problem with everything. It's like... You can lie, cheat, steal to these kids, like, because that's what, and they're doing it in NIL. Like, there needs to be, I'm not saying, gui- like, guidelines. Like, there needs to be a safety net for these kids signing all these NIL deals anyway. Oh, because there needs to be some kind of safety net. And, and as much as I love Coach Prime, um, when he came in and cleared house, a lot of those kids got tossed out on the streets with no other options because they weren't given their. Well, they weren't good enough to play. I'm I'm just saying they could go to another school, but he he was right in what he did. If you don't like, I love the first thing he said. If you're not gonna play hard and you're not gonna follow my rules, I'm I'm coming in here and I'm bringing my my luggage named Louie. I'm good with that. He was honest with those kids. It was hurtful to some of them. I'm sure their hurt, little feelings got hurt. They heard a very important message that day. Is this is how I'm going to do things? And if you don't like it, there this I can't change the culture with the same people. If I hang out with the same people, if I'm hanging out, let's say with a bunch of degenerates, druggies, degenerates, whatever, what do you think I'm going to be classified as over time? A degenerate, a ne'er do well, however you want. So if I want to change myself, what do I need to do? Change yourself. Change the people you hang out with. Change the there it is. Yeah. Change the people who you hang out with. So that's exactly what he did. He changed the people in that program. He had like a like 80, 90 new kids in his program this year. They still didn't do great, but they changed the culture of that program because it was him. Like, I think the transfer portal is great. I think there needs to be some kind of stipulation, like you can't transfer after this week or whatever. Like 
maybe something as simple as that, but no, the transfer portal needs to stand <coughs> just because why should the kids have to commit to a college for four years, but the coaches don't? Every every kid they recruit and they can leave the next week. You have the same thing with the NFL, though. And those guys are under contracts. Even when those coaches leave, even when those offensive and defensive different. coordinators leave, Way I different. get it. But I feel like if these kids are trying to get prepared for the NFL, we need to try to make it not necessarily mirror image of the NFL, but man, put something in place that makes it somewhat, hey, you commit to a school, that's where you commit to. Absolutely you wanna, not. You want to you enter the transfer portal? That's great. You got to get permission from the school to be released from the program. If I want to quit my job tomorrow, I can quit my job tomorrow. You may not find another job, it, but it doesn't matter. I, I I committed to this job for right now. You're saying if you you're saying that that's kind of what you're saying though. Is no, what it, I'm saying is like put some kind of stipulations on there. Hey, you want to leave? That's great. Your school has to agree to it. Your school has to release you from their program, and then you can leave. It's like being released from a contract. That's all I'm saying. But why would they ever release these kids? They're their money makers. If they're not their money makers, though, doesn't there? But the big names in college are the ones that want to leave. The 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 little nobodies they're going to get released all the time. The the role players, the the, the non big names. Who cares? Like, because they're. I mean, it sucks, but that's the reality of it. They're never going to release their big names at their these colleges. No, I don't agree with. They have to be. I love the transfer portal. It's free agency for college football. There needs to be, like I said, there needs to be guidelines when you can enter in like the last week. Like you can't enter in week six and go play for the week seven opponent. Like, I, yeah, for some reason I'm saying <laughs> with the transfer portal though, like you could only do it in the off season. I don't know. I really don't know all the rules behind it. But uh, again, I mean, there there needs to be more guidelines. I think it's a little loose right now. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just saying as it stands right now, it's, it's a little too loose. It's, it's got to, they need to refine it. I'm just saying if, if they don't, how you want to do the transfer portal is terrifying for kids in college. Cause I should never have to ask your permission to do anything with my life. Cause that's what it is. It's these kids lives. They want to make that choice. They, them and them parents made their decision. They don't need the school's permission to do shit. They might, then they're risking enough by themselves. They're, these kids might be in scholarships to these schools. They might not get a scholarship to the school they transfer to. That's their own decision. I mean, I, I will say that the transfer portal is better than the way that the NCAA used to say, hey, if you want to transfer schools, you can transfer schools, but you're going to lose a year of eligibility. I did not agree with that. I think the transfer portal is better in that aspect. I still am. All I'm saying is that I think there needs to be a little bit more structure and how these kids are allowed to choose as to whether or not they enter the transfer portal. I think these kids need to think about like, and I think a lot of the kids that enter the transfer portal think they're big shit when they enter and then they don't get picked up. So they're just sitting out there in space. They need a reality check, and sometimes that's the best way to get it. I see your point. Uh, just t tidying up the last part of this proposed playoff structure. 
you'd have your 16 conference winner advancing to the playoffs. They would get reseeded based upon uh, total wins and losses, conference wins and losses, and margins of victory, et cetera. You'd, you'd basically have a structure eliminating all the human opinion out of it um, because you know what? Fuck selection committees. Or just set it up like the NFL. Where, well, that's what I'm saying. Like you, well, you have it seated based upon margin a, of victories. What do you mean by margin of victories? So if you have two teams that are uh, tied for total wins and losses and their conference wins and losses, it's just the same way that the NFL has it set up. If you go to their website and you look at how they select how teams are are um, seated for playoffs and for the wild card and everything. It goes down to margin of victory, margin of victory being over the course of your season, what was your average margin of victory or loss when it came to that season? Whoever has the highest margin of victory average is who's seated higher. Okay, that's fair. Well, I was thinking like, I I was kind of wondering if you meant like, well, they both played this team and then this other team, the team, the team you're looking at seeding destroyed that team 48 to two or three or whatever. And the other team decided, <coughs> you know, 21 to 18 or whatever. So, so the, again, the way the NFL says it is throughout the course of your season, all the games that you won were an average of this. All the games you lost were an average of this. We're going to take all those numbers and put them together. And whoever has the highest margin of victory is is who's going to get seated higher or who's going to take the wild card slot or you know whatever but that's how the NFL figures it out and I feel like that is very applicable because some of these teams they go out there and they just absolutely crush the competition I mean we're talking you know almost like 70 point games and then you have other teams that are out there that you know they they are barely scraping to to get by and they're playing mediocre teams and they're winning by you know, three points by six points, seven points, et cetera. You know, that's where that margin of victory comes in. You take the average margin of victory for all these teams and whoever has the highest one gets seated higher in the event of a tie between total wins and losses and conference wins and losses. The only thing I heard you say in this whole thing that I kind of enjoyed was let's take the SEC. You're, you're basically saying that a whole SEC has to play everybody else in the SEC. Yes. That's what I like because Alabama and Georgia should play more than just in the to in in their playoffs to well, their conference. Get ready because in 2024 Alabama and Georgia are playing each other in the regular season. Yeah, and that they should play every year. Not like you want to see those kind of games. And one loss on a team shouldn't designate if you go to the college football playoffs or not. It just shouldn't, especially if it's, oh, you lost to number two Georgia or number one Georgia. All right. Not a big deal. You lost to the best team in the country. Like if you're a ranked team and you lose to another highly ranked team or a better ranked team, one loss shouldn't determine everything. So I think that's something the 12 team playoff will help. Well, so so, something with the 16 team playoff that I was hoping would kind of help to correct the situation is that by forcing all of these teams to play everybody that's in their conference, you don't have these teams who are inflating their schedules with these easy opponents just to get, you know, undefeated seasons. Whereas 
now you're playing everybody in your conference. Who's the most worthy person in your conference? It's the person who won the most games. And if that is a tie, then it's the person who won the most conference games. And if that's still a tie, who beat who in the regular season? That's the easiest way to determine who actually gets a playoff spot in the conference playoffs. Those two teams go head to head, and whoever wins that is is the person who deserves to be in the NCAA playoffs. So I broke this down into 16 different regions and um, not in any particular order, but I would say your your Appalachian area schools, your Potomac area schools, Atlantic Coast, New England, the Sierra Nevada region. Texas has enough schools that they have their own. I think they have 11 schools. So some of those schools would get farmed out to other conferences. Um, but I'm dubbing that the Lone Star region. You have your Frontier region, which would be like your um, North Dakota, your South Dakota, stuff like that. Southwest, Southeast, Midwest, Northwest, Great Lakes, your independent schools, um, your Rocky Mountain Division, your Pacific Coast, and your Great Plains. I mean, all of those are geographical regions within the United States, with the exception of the independent schools. That would be like your Army, your Notre Dame, your Navy, um, Air Force, stuff like that. So while that's technically not in a regional area, I would argue that those teams all fall under like an um, independent-ish scenario. Um, But the top eight, or what is it, 32 teams are now playing in their respective divisions, championship conferences, whatever you want to call it. And then those top 16 teams that win that are the ones that are moving on to the playoffs. And then you have it structured the same way as March Madness, where your number one plays your number 16, your number two plays your 15, and so on. I I just think that it's going to make for more interesting football. Will it ever happen? Absolutely not. But would it make for more interesting football? I still argue yes. I still say yes, but you have to give it time. Any Anything else on that that you want to say? Because um, I do want to cover this real quick. And then after that, I really have nothing else um, to talk about. But Georgia released their schedule, and it's a fucking banger, dude. Who do they play? Clemson. Oh, good game. Uh Tennessee Tech, that's a throwaway game. Kentucky. Um, throwaway game. It's a throwaway game, but Kentucky's program's been coming up. You've got Alabama in, what, week four? Actually, uh, it's technically uh, week I five. I know where college game day will be that week. Absolutely. And then you've got Auburn, who's not a terrible school. It's, it's they've, they've got a decent program. Yeah, you got Mississippi State. You've got Texas. Yeah, that, that'll be a college that's game another, day. You've got the Gators, who... You know, 10 years ago, I would say it would be a great matchup, but now not so much. We'll see. Ole Miss, Tennessee, UMass, and then Georgia Tech. So in my opinion, this is probably one of their strongest schedules that they've had in the last five years. Yeah, I haven't followed Georgia that much, but when if they actually have to play Alabama in a regular season, that'll be fun. Yeah. And that, then looking at Alabama, just and the page has to reload because it's fucking stupid. Because it's an Apple computer. No, it's because this website refreshes like every 30 seconds because they want to stay on top of things. Stay on top of your mom. Um, So Alabama, the first school they play, WKU Hilltoppers, we're going to get fucking smoked, guys. Just be ready because fucking Nick Saban's coming to... 
Well, actually, we're going to Tuscaloosa, but Nick Saban's coming and he's going to fucking ram that football straight up our butts. Uh, USF Bulls, the Badgers, who haven't really been contenders in a long time. You've got Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, who, eh, they're pretty good. They're pretty good, but um, Oklahoma's the other <laughs> big team that I really see up there. Auburn's kind of meh. Um, so, I mean, looking at Alabama's schedule, I still say Georgia has the better schedule out of the two. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Now. Just because, I mean, they still all they still both play some pretty trash warm up games in colleges overall. That they're just going to dog walk, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, just because I love to watch the world burn, let's look at Florida State's schedule for twenty twenty four. You got Georgia Tech. Who cares? You got Memphis. Who cares? You got Notre Dame. Pretty good eh, school. Eh. They're, they've got a name, but they haven't really had a program here recently. Um, you got hey, you tell Lou Holtz that Lou Holtz can suck my dick. <laughs> you've got Charleston Southern, you've got Florida Gators, you've got Duke, you've got Boston College, California Golden Bears, Clemson Tigers. Oh, they play nobody. Got it. Yeah. So I mean, they play less people than Alabama does. Yeah, I, I mean, I would argue that the they only person they actually play that probably has a decent program well two and that's notre dame and florida and florida's not great but i like clemson too clemson's good notre dame i mean do i think that's going to be a good game no i really don't no but that's probably one of their strongest opponents yeah it's still i mean it's one of their strongest opponents but still i just florida state does not have a schedule that oh great they'll go 13 and 0 again next year and hopefully be left out of the playoffs i mean for for me they don't pass the eye test with the schedule. They didn't pass it this year either. No, they didn't. But they beat everybody in front of them. I, I, and that, and, but, and but again, who puts together it? the... Yes. Did they earn it? Yes. Did they deserve it? No. That's my statement, or that's where I stand. They earned it, but they didn't deserve it. Yeah. So. Um, I don't disagree. They earned it. Just not how it goes. That's not the way the cookie crumbled. Yeah. Got anything else you want to add? Florida State sucks. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) They all just need to stop crying and treat the Georgia game as the national championship and and prove to us. Prove to everybody you're a better school than what everybody thinks you are. But they're not going to. They're going to cry and whine. Well, one thing that I forgot to touch up on was that the Orange Bowl committee canceled the um, media press conference because Florida State refused to participate. I hope Florida State gets the shit kicked out of them. There, there's, there's rumors, conspiracy theories, however you want to say it, that they're going to boycott the Orange Bowl. I don't think that's smart. I think that gets them nixed from you know any type. Oh, of so playoff. you got a bowl this year? You're never going to get a bowl again. That, that's what I'm saying. Got it. You're, you're, you're like five years expelled from contention the same way that fucking JMU is and I would argue that they deserve to be in a bowl game more than fucking FSU. Oh, I would uh, if if I was dealing with all the Florida crybabies like they are and they didn't show up to their bowl game. Okay. You're not getting one for at least 5 years, maybe 10 just because I'm petty. And I'll tell you that Oh, I would hold a national press conference and just wait. Yeah. 
because I would love to see the world burn because that's what's going to happen. They're already crying about not getting put in the playoffs because a college football team didn't get into the championship. I'm curious as to how many of those players entered the transfer portal after this season. Hey, maybe they should all go to a better school where they could... Colorado. Uh, hey, I'm just saying. Go to a better school, they'd be in. Hey, and you know what? Oh, this is my favorite take I've heard on the, the Florida State. So you know who was offered the Florida State job a couple years ago? Enlighten me. Deion Sanders. Mm. If Deion Sanders was the coach, at, or no, I think he, he tried out for the Florida State job but didn't get it. I think this is what happened. That's their loss. But if Deion Sanders was the coach at Florida State today, they'd be in the playoffs. Oh, 100%. Because, again, going back to conspiracy theories. Name value. Name value. But also... There are people out there who are saying that the only reason, and I, I don't agree with this, but the only reason that Alabama got in is because of the $3 billion 10-year deal or whatever that ESPN signed with the SEC. The ES, ESPN is going to broadcast these games regardless of who's in them. But still, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Who presents a better product for TV? It's Alabama or Georgia. Now, again... FSU earned it. I don't believe they deserve it. And if Deion Sanders was a head coach of Florida State right now, they would be in 100%. No questions asked. But Alabama would still be in too. Texas would have lost. I'm yeah. telling you who would have got booted. It would have been Texas. Alabama's not getting out. No. You're not you, going to You've got to have an SEC team cuz I mean SEC is the and, conference and, of all conferences right now. And that's a whole other issue if you boot out, uh, if you boot Texas out. Yeah. But because they did earn it because they beat Alabama. Well, they're going to be an SEC school next year anyway, so who I, cares? I'm just saying what's funny, if you think about it, I think that was um, Stephen, uh, Stephen A. Smith that said if, if Coach Prime was at Florida State, they'd be in the college football playoffs this year. They would be. Absolutely, just because Dion's name. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with the that. higher profile. 100%. And I'm just saying, I can't wait till next year to see what Colorado does because they already had that number one tackle signed to them. I'm sure they've got a couple other people committing to Colorado already. Yeah, so they'll be they'll be in contention. I say give it three years; they'll be vying for a, a spot in the playoffs. I'd be surprised if they weren't a hell of a lot better next year. They're what Big Twelve. This, they're they're moving over to Big Twelve next think year. So yes, yeah. but I think it'll be interesting because I'd say Shador will stay another year. It, he'd be smart too. I don't think he's ready to enter the draft. I, I he's a he's a great quarterback. I just don't think he's ready. And after I see, after he, seeing I quarterbacks, think he'd be surprised. Just uh, I mean, look at this this class. I mean, C.J. Stroud was a no. He was a junior. Um, I'm just saying. I think you'd be surprised. Like. What Shador Sanders did this year didn't surprise it didn't surprise me because I saw him at Jackson State. So and, and look at who his dad is. Look at what his dad did in the NFL. And look at just think about all the stuff Dion could have taught Shador over the years about defenses. He's been his coach since he was a kid. And nobody knows defense better than Dion. Yeah. So I'm just saying like what he did at Colorado versus good competition 
the only reason he they didn't win more games is because they didn't have the dogs up front. Once they get an offensive and defensive line, they had the skill players. Once they get the people to protect the quarterback, Colorado will be a force. Oh, yeah. And next year, with all the pieces that they're adding to that team, I mean, even if you see an ounce of improvement from Shador's statistics, not his his playing ability because it's there, <laughs> but his statistics, I think you see Shador going as like a number one or a number two overall. Well, and it... Uh, it, it just seeing just seeing improvement, seeing what he it, can do with a good line. It'd almost be smart for him to go back this year. Just to oh, get yeah, that absolutely. one more year of experience, play all that good competition again, put some more tape out there, and really, this year's quarterback draft is is heavy. You got Jane Daniels. You got um, the kid from USC. Um, you got Bo Nix from Oregon. Yeah, Bo Nix is probably going to the draft, though. Yeah, and so Jaden Daniels is. So is, uh, like I said, what's the kid from USC's name? I've drawn a blank right now. Uh, you know, he's going to study hard enough for the test. He'll go to, he'll go to the draft, too. There, this quarterback draft, there's like probably three or four quarterbacks that could play in the league. Now, one, there's probably only going to be one that's great, like normal. Yeah, and it may not be who you think it is because, again, Bryce Young, he was, he was hot shit. He's who everybody uh, was talking about, and he petered out, man. Give him more time. What does Carolina have? Nothing. They don't have an offensive line. They have Brian Burns on the defense. But That's if they it. don't have an offensive line and he gets hurt, I mean, you start seeing another Andrew Luck situation. I got to say, he's held up a lot better this year than what I've expected. But he also, he, he also was in the Frank Reich system, which Indianapolis was in that last year, and we fired him last year too. Yeah. Their offense looked terrible. The only person down there that was a viable piece was Adam Thielen for the first like 10 weeks. Yeah. And I mean, come on, Carolina. And he's a 31, 32 year old wide receiver playing in the slot. Why, why they didn't name Jeff Saturday as their interim head coach. I, I don't fucking know. He would have been good. Yeah. I mean, Hey, he come out on McAfee the other day and said, he, he told, he told, uh, he told our owner, um, Irsay said, Hey, we're going to lose eight games in a row. I'm going to come in and change the culture, but we are going to lose all the games. Like he, he knew what to expect because he never coached at the level. Yeah. So like I said, I don't think we've seen what Bryce young is. I think he just needs to be on a different team. I don't know if Carolina can get all the pieces they need Uh, so that he can, he can produce. Who's going to take their head coaching job because David temper has fired. How many coaches? Like three or four. Yeah. Like, they need, he needs to, now I would have fired Frank Reich too. I would have never hired Frank Reich last year. Yeah. <coughs> I get it. He was a legacy in Carolina. He, he played quarterback there when he was in the NFL and all that stuff, but I would have never hired Frank Reich. Like he was not in my mind, the right person for the job, but Bryce Young is in, in a, in a bad spot because he's already had two different play callers this year. Same system, but he's going into his second year in the NFL next year. And he's going to have yet another head coach, different offensive coordinator, different system to learn. 
and they have so little draft capital from that deal for Carolina to get him last year. They're not going to, they're not going to get a ton more help for him, but because they have no wide receivers, they have no skill positions to help him. We don't know what he is yet, but they, they don't, they traded away so much for Carolina to get him. They don't have the help around him. Hey, I hear Josh McDaniels is looking for a job. He can be trashed too there. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. With that being said, dude, happy 10th episode. Woo-hoo. So we, uh, we officially crossed over into double digits 10 weeks in a row. No breaks starting to, to kind of, I feel get more in sync with one another. Couldn't ask for a better co-host. Love you, buddy. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Rarely Sophisticated. You can also follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at RS Podcast X. Make sure to send us your questions and episode ideas to RaleighSophisticated at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure that you subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, make sure to rate us five stars. Shut the fuck up. If not, we're going to send Ryan to your doorstep to go cough in your face. So yeah, that's that's all we got. Make sure to uh, join us next Tuesday for more Rally Sophisticated, you beautiful bastards, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. Daddy, you're silly.